Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Precision Unloaded podcast. This is episode 58, and this one is going to revolve around Surplus Steel 2023. So tonight, we, you are joined by your regular host, Graham and Mark, and our regular guest, Jeff, from the Gun Rack, uh, has uh, been persuaded once again to come on. Um, welcome, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, Jeff, coincidentally, the Gun Rack is the sponsor of our podcast. So if you need any MDT, Boyd Stocks, Hauer, Sauer, Sonic, uh, Element Optics, um, chase down Jeff either on the website uh, or Facebook, Instagram, or call around to his house. Um, <laughs> how are you, Jeff? Yeah, doing well, thanks. Uh, recovering after a long weekend. Yep, you dried out. Yeah, yeah. Um, my gear didn't dry out as quickly as I'd like, just because I had uh, we had another stop in Tauranga, so we're there for a day or two with stuff just being wet in the back of the truck. <laughs> It'd be minging. Your house didn't. Yep, you, none yep. of your. You live. I assume you live on a hill. None of your property got damaged by the floods. Yeah, no, we, we live literally on in the middle of the side of a hill, so no, we're all good. Yeah, I'm glad. Actually, I, I was, I had no idea. So obviously, we're out of signal for like two or three days. Then people were just texting me like, "Oh, are you all right?" And blah blah blah. It's been really rainy. I was like, okay. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Yeah, not a bad thing. You can't do anything about it, can you? Exactly. Yeah, well, and anyway, so this one's being recorded just a couple of days after our previous one. We're trying to get back on track uh, with a few podcasts and well, sort of strike while the iron's hot and while it's all fresh in everyone's memories. So, Surplus Steel is. Most of the time, we muck around with um, more modern equipment, um, precision rifles, centerfire, rimfire dabble in a bit of hunting we're all pretty amateurish when it comes to hunting and but then so this this one's quite different this competition because it's a field-esque style competition but it's using service bolt action rifles of the uh, you know late 1800s early 20th century 20th century sort of thing um, in original condition uh, no modern sights no modifications um None of that which ruins them, in my opinion. Uh, make me sound like a fud. But, um, yeah, and then we also style the event as a... Uh, the stages are styled in a sort of uh, military combat fashion um, without sounding too much like a, um, a militia training <laughs> expedition. Um, yeah, so uh, we st- we did the first one about a year ago, well, just over a year ago, and this was the second... Um, iteration of the event uh more popular than the first time first time was popular again word gets around and um this one was even more popular even with the sort of several challenges we had um coming up to it so jeff how did you prep for this style of competition obviously normally you'd be you know doing load development on a 6.5 or a doing different things with your 2.2 this time around it's a a whole different ball game so how did you get ready for a essentially a military surplus field style competition hmm. yeah i've well i think you may recall over the last year or so i've been actually practicing which has been cool um 
but that wasn't the case this time. Um, this time was a bit of load development, but not like trying to fine tune a hot load or like find something really cool, whatever. It's just trying to replicate um, the speeds and weights of uh, military spec ammo um, that the rifles were built for. So doing that for the 303 and the M38 uh, 65x55 that Cassie was shooting. So yeah, so a bit of mucking around there. Multiple trips to the range because I kept forgetting stuff. Um, and then I was trying to set up... So one of the things I found out after the last shoot, um, I was mucking around with the bayonet on my uh, number four, put it on and I realized it was kind of on the piss of it. Um, and then what that led me to, to realize is that the, um, the entire barrel was slightly twisted. So I think it had been set back at some point or hadn't been installed completely straight or whatever. So the reason why I couldn't fully drift my sights to um, get a good zero was, um, was because the entire barrel was skewed. So I tried to set up another rifle that didn't go quite according to plan. So I ended up using the original one, changed lots of sights, size settings, etc., etc. So it was a lot of admin um, and wasn't actually really prepared um, properly for the shoot in terms of like practicing or headspace or anything like that. So too, too much time trying to sort of make the gun shoot like a laser rather than... Too much time trying to make the gun shoot, <laughs> um, like kind of where I pointed it. And, um, and then also we had the, um, the 22 spark, uh, final, um, which I wasn't in contention for. So kind of, um, as much as, as I love shooting it and it was a great match, it did also, to me, it felt like a distraction from surface steel. Cause I was so excited for surface steel. Yeah. 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 That's one thing, um, uh, with how we sort of, the, a lot of us shoot modern <clears throat> precision rifles, sort of with the, you know, um, square to the rifle and um your, your butt pads on that your clavicle rather than in shoulder pocket you just i can't do that with a um uh iron sights gun so i have to i have to put the um the butt plate in my shoulder pocket and, and i have to adopt a more skewed more traditional army man sort of um stance um so you that that took a bit of re bedding into my um way of doing things if that makes sense yeah I, i'd sort of i'd get into position and i'd set it how i would my six mil or, or something and then i'd go actually no i can't even get match point aim here and not have to have to adjust it and go from there so it is it is not a direct transfer in my opinion of skill well, obviously iron sights isn't anyway but um of, of even just how you position the gun into your shoulder it's very different from what we do with our race guns yeah, it's a blend of skills for sure. Yeah, and then iron sights have got their own <laughs> challenges, right? Um, which which are which is one of the things that makes it cool. But um, yeah, so how did you get ready, Mark? By uh, deciding consciously to avoid shooting millisecond rifles. Oh yes, yes. Even though I got you one. Mhm. Mm oh, I haven't seen that thing in a year. You got to cause some limitations on the width of your hobby so that's one of them that's very grown up of you mm. yeah that's that's good well, to be honest you think you think you can waste some money on modern guns these uh some of these old guns can 
suckers and fucks. Exactly. And they still Fight shoot shit. <laughs> old piece of crap. Paying heaps for it. Going, wow, that's a beauty. Such a beauty. <laughs> um, Jeff, the M38, what was the theory behind that? Oh, that's a good topic. Uh, yeah. Um, so that was a birthday gift from Cassie to me. So, of course, I just got it set up for her to shoot. Um, <laughs> one of those one is a trick. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely wanted a, a second uh, surplus rifle for this shoot. Um, last year, I built or rebuilt uh, or reconditioned a uh, number one Mark III for Cassie, and it did not go well. The um, the repro wood uh, snapped in a place it shouldn't have, and mm-hmm. it really affected her day. So anyway, um, yeah, set up the M thirty eight. The idea being, it's is somewhat more accurate in terms of the cartridge potential it's lighter recoiling um it's nice handling uh, only downside to it compared to a number four is, is just the sighting system um being you know slightly shorter radius and, and being like traditional um v post type things um but yeah a great rifle for this kind of sport a great rifle for her too i think mm, yeah but and I even uh, managed to get a whole bunch of stripper clips when I went on um, on holiday to the states. So there was a yeah, it just ran smoothly. She, she had a great time with it. She was really really pleased with it. Cool. So who was it in service with? Um, Good question. I don't think don't know. they would have seen any active service. Great so, it, though. Who, who had some? Them? Some went so the um, the um, Swedish Swedes had them. Some went into the winter war against the Russians at the start of what is now considered part of the start of World War Two. When, when oh, yeah, Russian no, Swedish more Swedish more is a kind of an all just Sweden. It's like saying Russian fudge is all Russian. No, well, they, they they were the only ones who really used them. But what they did is they had volunteers who volunteered, ah. kind of yeah, like the yeah. Ukrainian thing at the moment. They volunteered yeah. to fight the um, the Reds, and um, I think a bunch got sold to finland as well but they might not have really used them that much but so they, so they the bigger, haven't, haven't seen much service the bigger caliber 55 is that the earlier version or is it because there's this is a 7.5 is there there's a, there's a 7.555 and there's a 6.555 yeah. yeah yeah just different countries. so you want the, the 6.5 the, i'm just talking as yeah a, yeah yeah For the, so yeah. the mauser the mauser rifle that most people be more familiar with came in 8 mil or 7 mil um, oh yeah and, and that's a slightly larger ring diameter as well in, in terms of the action size. Yeah. So that's what you see much more commonly, and that's all a lot more service. That's right. I just ask all this because rifle selection seemed to be a lot bigger topic mm. this year, and people were mm. gravitating away from <laughs> some of the more high rate ruling <clears throat> ratchet ones. <laughs> put it that way. Yeah. yeah. Well, a hundred so, hundred rounds, eight mils hard on the arm. Isn't it? Yeah. So, I'll, so I'll, just... I will say that I think, obviously, she's not a half bad shooter, your wife, but the, I think that rifle played a big part on her result on the day. Um, mm. She shot well. She's not. She was yeah. only like just over what, 10, 12 points behind you. Yeah, yeah. Like no, three hits. She beat me on a, <laughs> beat me on a few stages. Um, yeah, she was well pleased with how, how the day went. No, I, she, yeah, she cleared stage... Man, you didn't get it by bugger all. <laughs> she beat you on few. <laughs> no, this is, you got good scores on. You know, got scores on most stages, which is good. The other thing, Graham, I noticed is that there was lot not that many zeroed stages, which I think's um, 
good from a competitive standpoint for you know i mean <clears throat> i think last year you would have seen a lot more people just miss 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 i think a lot more stages. people had um actually set their right or at least had an idea on how their rifles were shooting this year yeah compared to last time. um yep. and obviously i don't know what people were expecting last year you know that a lot of yeah. them hadn't been to one of our events before and then they turn up and go man this is pretty cool so um <clears throat> They come a bit more prepared, um, and I think we attract, I don't know, but maybe more service rifle guys too who, who should really have their shit squared away, being that they compete with them sometimes, um, sort of dying out. But yeah, so uh, yeah, good, good work to Cassie there, man. She, she cleared stage one too, which is um, quite a difficult stage. And then, yeah, no, awesome, awesome, actually. Um, and did you, so you replicate, what was that? You did like 130s at like 20... Uh, 2400ps again? Uh, 142s. The SMK is going roughly, what was it, um, 2,415 or, or 2,500? I don't know. It's something. It's, it's not like hectic speeds, right? It's, it's not like me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a couple hundred feet per second under a creep more kind of thing. Yeah. No, awesome. It's um, not a bad effort. Let me just bring up my show plan. So, let's talk about the weather. <laughs> so, most people listening to this would have seen some of the pictures on social media, uh, the news about half of the island getting flooded, uh, and half hundred other things around the rain and the mud. So, uh, we'd had sort of a the week before it was sort of saying the whole week was rain, 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 and not much of any rain sort of turned up for most of the week. And I thought, ah, oh, maybe it'll blow, but whatever. And then we were doing final setup, and it sort of started raining about lunchtime, was it, Mark? And then it um, didn't stop, um, and it got shit. It got real heavy through the night, and I started getting messages, and you know, people, oh shit, it's a bit wet, and right around there, whatever. And I was, as I was listening to the rain through the night, I was thinking, man, I'm gonna lose. So it was, it was 64 people booked in to shoot. I was thinking, man, I'm gonna, I think we're gonna be lucky if we have 20 shooters tomorrow. Um, and I, the the plus side of that was I thought, man, you're going to have pretty high chances of um, of uh, walking away with the major spot prize <laughs> if um, there's only twenty people. But um, uh, we still we got a, we ended up with forty eight or forty nine or something. Uh, somebody tell me. Um, so considering the weather, I was pretty bloody happy with that actually. Um, yeah, it was a bit of an inch of rain. So and prior. The day prior, only had about five, so it wasn't um like and you know, it when it stopped raining, it dried out in about an hour and a half. So apart from the trench, <laughs> apart, apart from the trench, yeah. Um, talk about that later. <laughs> talk about the trench later. Everyone likes the trench. Um, but yeah, so that that was a bit of a um, it was probably one of the more stressed I've been leading up to the like in the hours before an event actually with with. A few of the other things we had planned that needed to happen in the morning. Um, and even just, you start thinking about shit like, okay, how are we going to do registration? And then how are we going to do the barbecue and prize get, you know, whatever. It, it adds layers of complication and just stuff you got to think about. And then, I mean, it would have been jamming everyone into the sheep yards, I guess, the covered yards. But um, luckily we sort of, uh, we got through most of registration with this and drizzle. And then uh, 
one thing we didn't tell competitors was um, that we had uh, sort of done it, struck up a bit of deal with the Taranaki um, Vintage Military Vehicle Collectors Club, and um, sort of Mark was doing the briefing, and then half, halfway through the briefing, uh, several uh, vehicles turned up. So there was a like a is it, was it a Dodge Mark, like a Dodge Command car, uh, this, this British truck they call Puddle Jumper, um, Land Rover, stuff like that. And everyone was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then the idea was, oh, yeah, they'll drive you between some of the stages and there's a bit of a treat. And then sort of at the end of the briefing, albeit 10 minutes late, we had, um, uh, we had an... Don't walk off just yet, just wait. Yeah, oh, we just got to fix something there, range. And then like, yeah, and then some people like knew what was happening. And then, so they got to stand where the fucking tank's coming out. So we got like, oh, can you just get out of the fucking way? <laughs> you know, and, but anyway, and then we had, so we actually had a tank already up there hidden in the shed, in one of the sheds. And then which was a uh, 1943 Stuart tank, um, ex-New Zealand one, New Zealand service one. And then coming up the road, up the track, was a um, ex-New Zealand Scorpion uh, tank. Um, and so they sort of come out and shot a few blanks at each other and had um, their machine guns cranking. So just for the uh, the police listening, no doubt, um, just gas-powered machine guns. So they're just making noise. So legally, not a firearm. And then... Um, they sort of shot a few rounds off, made a bit of noise for the competitors. It was a bit of a bit of a surprise. Um, so that took a bit of organising and shit. How long have we been talking about this for, Mark? In the background, six months. Yeah, doing various things, and um, I had a mad rush earlier in the week to find a couple of kilos of black powder um, to get these uh, blanks loaded up. Well, sorry to to get for the guys to load the the blanks up for the main guns for the, <clears throat> the two tanks um so that, that was pretty cool we've never had anything sort of like that in an event before so that added a layer of uh well obviously excitement why why black powder is that just for theatrical value or? uh yeah it's loud yes yeah, um, smoke. smoky yeah. and it's safe yeah, yeah. It, it's low pressure yeah yeah um it's and yeah and the smoke's pretty cool right there's the downside to black powder is um if you're in a tank no no you can't you can't do it in the tank and um no i mean but yeah the smoke yeah but the downside is you get really rusty barrel oh if you don't clean it so you've got to clean out hot water and oil and a few things like that um but yeah and then we sort of from there we moved uh, everyone sort of in their squads um and we moved up to the um, shooting positions and started the competitions but so this stage it's sort of consistently raining now um but no one seemed to mind that much um yeah that started a bit later that like people had got on the way before it rained no it was raining when the tanks rolled out do you don't remember because a tank backed into your fence you were probably distracted by that <laughs> yeah i thought this is a great start <clears throat> Yeah, it did start raining pretty hard. Just and then I mentioned it later, so. and they're like, no, we didn't back into the vents. So I was like, yeah, no, I was standing there. <laughs> <laughs> well, but then yeah. I said, I can see why. You've got absolutely no visibility behind you. So, Well, you meant to advance yeah. at the enemy, aren't you? Not... Yeah, you're going forward, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so, yeah, so when we, we, we got into the day. Um, and, and so one thing I'll say is that what the tanks were doing and, and the vehicles and stuff, they were operating while... The event was happening so um if you're lucky enough between 
uh, people will know where this. So, some people have been on these stages before. What we call the winter course fire. They're sort of on these um, on these uh, knobs that are in the paddock. So the, the tank would pull up between a couple of the stages and actually let off its its main gun, let off a blank. As so, sometimes you'd be lucky enough you were shooting, and um, you'd have a bloody big cannon go off. <laughs> Obviously, in in, para, in, in the yeah, right position on the firing line, not to make it dangerous, but um, that was pretty cool. And as they drove around in the background, they were rattling off their gas-powered um, machine guns, and man, it was it was quite a treat. Um, in fact, it was very easy when you're reading out the stage brief to get distracted, and everyone would just start watching the tanks. So it was um, pretty awesome to see. Uh, any comment on the tanks, Mark? Oh, a bit of regrassing required, but they were, they were good. They're especially cornering under speed. Yeah. 15-ton tracks tend to yeah. flick a bit of uh, dirt out of the way. Yeah. So that's quite quite a dig. But I've just stopped there today, and it's it's already disappearing, so it's yeah. fine. If you, you think a digger's bad in your paddock, hey, try a tank moving at speed and then turning real sharp. <laughs> and then revving. And just I think like, oh, they won't do that again. And they come back around again, and, and they're going even faster. So it's like, yeah, I, I think they fun. were having fun at that stage. Oh, they were. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were like, yeah, because they about in mid afternoon. They're like, oh, can we come up here next year? Uh, next year for like an overnighter? I was yeah. Like, yeah, if you like. They, they messaged me and they've offered. Um, I turn them down. I'll, I'll cover it. But they've offered to buy a bag of grass seed. <laughs> oh, right. No, it's fine. Yeah, they're like, man, it was so cool. You know. The, Grass is pretty persistent. Yeah, back in. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so that, that having them that there was just what an absolute uh, a buzz. Like obviously that we try and make the event cool, but that just was the next level of. Um, oh no, and it was uh, fascinating to go and talk to them about it and get the history of the steward and stuff, and and yeah, that thing sounds awesome as well. It's amazing. Yeah, so it's, it's got seven a, cylinder radial. Oh it's yeah, cool. And and just and and pitch and aviation like jet fuel rather than fucking diesel got it so it doesn't stink the place out with you know so that was anyway um so so what do you think of the tanks jeff so you you had an inkling there was going to be some vehicles there yeah i, I did have an inkling um <laughs> I, I was telling <laughs> cassie um <laughs> well so you, you know when you're um well graham you don't drink so you might not know but it, when you're really hungover or extremely tired, and you, like if you watch the soppy movie, you tear up. No, like, I don't. I don't it, 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 it doesn't take much to like set you over the edge, like watching a kids' movie or something. We don't have emotion so, in Taranaki. Yeah, so I, I had I had three nights of like very little sleep, which is not usual for me. Like I need a decent amount of sleep to operate, um, and. I heard a few machine gun bursts coming over, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is, this is the tank. I know about this. Yep. And then um, I heard right of the Valkyries coming up the valley and an, and another machine gun going, and it was in tandem. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so incredibly exciting. I was overwhelmed by how cool it was. Did we make you and cry, Jeff? <laughs> so damn close. <laughs> so close. Never admit that. <laughs> <laughs> Overwhelmed with emotion. Overwhelmed. Yeah, that can Push be the that can be the brilliant. title of the podcast. From second to sixteenth. <laughs> Overwhelmed with emotion. <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably what set me back, Mark. Was, yes, uh, I'm going. That's yeah. what I'm. My, I'm going with that theory that he was tired and emotional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not. I'm not crying. It's the rain in my eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
yeah odd um no that yeah very very cool and again they were operating essentially until just as the shooting stopped really and they'd run out of um cartridges so i had the uh i had the treat of uh saying to them hey listen uh would i be able to shoot one of those main gun rounds and they're like of course you can so they come i, I abandoned my squad although i wasn't in squad ro and i did that on purpose and i i went for a jaunt in the stewart um as the not the driver what's this the assistant driver assistant whatever and so i had a bow mounted peasant. um peasant yes bow mounted um 19 browning 1919 gas gun and uh, we managed to cram dylan in there with us too and then yeah i got to do a uh uh a shot through the main gun with a blank which was um quite a buzz and then um what was in there and they fired one more um which was yeah so that was pretty cool um very very cool actually it's mm. it's like a boy like a childhood like boy's dream right go for abandoning squad abandoning squad, abandoning squad. <laughs> go for a burn in a world war two <laughs> what stage was that Graham? uh one i didn't do very well on um yeah. yeah so you know getting to go for a burn in a world war two tank um operate the machine gun albeit obviously it's not shooting bullets um shoot the main gun um just what an absolute treat and like well, you were yeah, AWOL it went AWOL yeah so that was that was well that's pretty much the highlight of my day going in that thing that was just yeah yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know who who doesn't want to go for a ride in tank and let's not mention we I forget we also had a uh, Browning M2 yes we had a Browning um, M2 from Starship Troopers yep that was good that was part of a stage and um interesting we'll, sound we'll get to that up the end and when we talk about stages um so we 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 tried to um incorporate a bunch of different things to make um each stage have a bit of a theme and um well be fun right like it's competitive shoot but it's still meant to be um you meant to have not everyone's gonna win right so you want everyone to have fun so you know we'll talk about that yeah I mean, in the end, the weather, because it's a warm day, summer, it's not a problem, you know. If that was a June event or July. Oh, I'd be a fucking bit, nightmare. Be a bit cold. Yeah. You know, <laughs> to start with. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're wearing period um, clothing. Which several were. Mm. So, okay, we, we can talk, I didn't put this in our running notes, but we had less outfits this year, but I would say better outfits. Mm. Yeah. Well. Uh, Asterix beside the Mexican. Anyway, so. <laughs> so we have one, one of our friends who we won't, um, we won't, we won't mention his name because the, um, the government's probably looking for him. Um, he he was uh, shooting a, um, a Browning or whatever. There's this lever action. Briefly. Yeah, briefly five shots. Lever action. The mix. The Mexican military used him for a wee while, and he only got five rounds into the day, and it, it, it shit the bed. But he was just uh, very culturally sensitively. As a Mexican, um, I don't know, drug runner or something, he, he just went into a party shop and, um, <laughs> yeah, so that was good. Okay, and, pretty and, sure the Mexican army wasn't dressed like that. No. no. <laughs> uh, and then we had uh, another chap who was sort of dressed as a World War II era New Zealand um, rifleman. Uh, looked quite fantastic, actually. He was all, all yeah, day was in the rain, good. in the wool. Um, that was cool. 
uh, that was there's some really really good photos of him operating in the trenches and stuff I was he in he wasn't in your squad was he Jeff no no he wasn't yeah so that was um, yeah big effort from him I mean obviously the wall would have kept him warm um, but <laughs> yes, I'd rather I'd rather be yeah in a jacket and then we had our, our good friend Carrington who got a uh, custom made well somebody made a Japanese uniform for like someone who's like six foot one so <laughs> you know um, <laughs> and he grew a big handlebar moustache he had the hat he had the pouches and uh, maybe even like the parties everything and he was shooting a um, he got he, some stuff from Aussie didn't he yeah it cost him um, several yeah. hundred dollars to get all this made mm. and then he was shooting you don't often see them so people who know the a type 99 I think they're called uh, Japanese Arasaka, so, so seven by seven point seven, seven seven Jap. So it's essentially, yeah. it's a th- it's three oh three, without a rim. Um, the Japanese made the decision to change ammo types like a year away from the war ending, which is those who study history realize that that never helps. Um, and he sh- and coincidentally, the only person able to use a bipod all day because those were issued with a a bipod. So um, hmm. I don't think he used it. There's no point, but um. Yeah, very nice. You don't see me in them. And he shot well. He ended up fourth. Um, yeah. So that's a wicked effort from Carrington. Uh, one of his better results. And in a very contested class as well. Um, so, Mark, what was your favourite stage? Obviously, you didn't compete. You were match director, but you were running around. You are seeing yep. everything. Uh, probably not the trench. What? I think people, people were looking forward to... Yeah, I know I took, put a lot of work into it, but um, I guess uh, they missed the old bayonet, I think. So that will have to be a standard uh, add-on at some point. No, um, nah, bugger them. Shooting in the trench is way cooler. Maybe you could combine the two. Nah, it makes it too complicated. It's already a complicated stage. You add in a, a, a third thing into it, it just becomes chaos. Probably the bunker. Carl's bunker? Mm. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Mainly, mainly due, due to the labour shortage he was under to build it. We, we, we just, just all, we just up, abandoned him. Up there by himself, building a bunker. So we like, like finished... Some, sort of, on some the, sort of doomsday prepper. Yeah, yeah, he's weirdly good at it. We were like, we sort of finished most of the work and we're all sort of up because, again, it was just not really raining with this point and we're up talking shit and... Um, up at the, up the trench and we're <laughs> for ages and eventually Carl walks up because we'd just forgotten about him and he'd been down there building the bunker by himself for about four hours and, and, and the, uh, on and off rain the poor bugger but he did a wicked job it held yeah. up to weather and it was actually the one probably driest stage in the match um, yeah while you were shooting anyway after I'd built a beautiful track around the hill that never got used anyway that's, <laughs> that's, that's another story that's an hour um, match but now the trench so, itself I suppose was the the best engineering i mean so you walk down it and you had a paper shots to the right and then you walk down further to another trench paper shots to the right and then we installed those three short culverts which actually worked out pretty well i don't think they were too loud or anything so no they were, they were excellent no, they were good. yeah it made it a yeah a good uh reference point to shoot through and all that sort of thing so it worked out well i think the sandbags got a bit slippery they were all right at the start but then it got worse as the day went on i think so by the time I got to um, 
to shoot through the culverts. The sandbags were bloody near falling. The one in the tree in the culvert were near falling out the front of the bloody thing. So just yeah. Although it says don't 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 move things, I thought that's not where they're meant to be. So I dragged them back and shot them. But it's um yeah. Well, what about you, Jeff? Favorite stage? Uh, my my favorite stage isn't actually that exciting to talk about. It was um, True Service, which was last year was Battle of Le Mans. Mm-hmm. Um, which essentially is service rifle type stuff with standing, sitting, kneeling and prone. Um, but last year it was, it was the stage that let me down and, and literally would have, you know, lost me the, you know, the trophy. Mm. Uh, and this year I managed to clean it. So that to me was quite enjoyable. Um, especially after I started the day off, not great. Um, so that to me was personally fulfilling, but not very, um, descriptive or imaginative to talk about yeah it's probably the most boring stage out of all of them. yeah sorry <laughs> yeah um that's <laughs> no, good that's a clean it's a clean you know clean hill it's just you know you and your rifle and your targets so it's a it's a good one to start on yeah um yeah i, I think the trench was probably um in in terms of it was the most dynamic um yeah you had that bit of running while trying not to slip in the mud um, you know those close range shots, which um, is obviously not something that you can usually incorporate into a into a match with centerfire rifles. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll ask myself since my co-host is terrible. What was my favourite stage? No, we haven't got to that yet, Graham. Oh, okay. We you can get to it now. Graham. Oh yes. What, what was your favourite stage? Oh, that's a, that's an excellent question, Mark. Thanks for asking that one. Um. Ooh, that's a good, good question. I like the grenade stage. We pull the pin because you equal top scored. Yes, but but we're going to talk about that stage a bit more and, and, and later on. Um, but oh, ooh, trench. I'm gonna I'm gonna be cliche, but trench was stage eight. Trench. That, I think I called it trench raid. Yeah, like you said. Yeah, shooting in the trench. So not just. It's hard to explain without it sounding like dodgy, but it wasn't. But you weren't shooting from from in the trench out. You had. Like Mark said, some saps heading off in another direction and you actually shot in the trench to targets in the trench and then transitioning and shooting the 100 and 200 metre targets. Um, just fun. Like Jeff said, a lot of movement. Um, you were second equal score on that too. Was I? Yeah. Um, Only two people cleared it and you were one shot back with another person. So. Yeah. Oh, it, was just, it was just fun. And it was, it was a 16 round stage too. We don't often run... I think one other stage of the day at 12 and then everything's sort of 10 right so that was um just i don't know putting bulk bulk ammo through the gun on the stage and and it, but not a lot of time so you still had to move and obviously it had sort of six inches of mud in the bottom of the trench as i as i found out when, I, um, when we were getting the run through i before we shot it from the arrow i fell over in the trench um and uh, and you were the only person all there to do that right yes yeah. Like he literally just told us, he's like, hey man, like you got to take it easy. Like no one's fallen over yet. And then I was just like, um, <laughs> there, were, there is a rumor going around that Leon pushed me over, but uh, I, I don't think there's much validity to that. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, what would be second? Oh, I like the, the mini trench too, the, the long range stage shooting at the tank. Uh, again, just for <laughs> clarity, we had a tank card wood cut out, not shooting at one of the H armored vehicles. Um, uh, yeah, longer range stage, it's about 380 metres. I think it is 380 metres, actually, so about 400 yards. Um, just cool because he's shooting a bit further. 
and uh, a little bit of a tricky position to do it from. Um, it pr probably should be a prone stage, but it sort of just works well where it is, hence why we left it there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, sorry. No, no, carry on. No, I was just going to say, I, I started on tank and it was actually um, disappointing for me because that's when I realized like my gun was not shooting how I wanted it to. Because last year it was a, it was a, it was a great stage for me. Um, and I knew I could shoot at distance with that rifle. Um, and it just didn't happen for me. So that, yeah, that was the start of my day. And yeah, the first half was bitterly disappointing when I I felt all year that this was my match coming up. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is, uh, I think if you, it, it can be real hard to have like a shitty first stage and then it cooks your head, eh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, two two drop shots and that was eight points. So that was, um, yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, I bumped into you, the squad behind us, um, after that stage. Um, and you said, oh, how are you going? And I said, I've dropped, dropped eight points. That's kind of day done. Now I'm here to have fun kind of thing. Yeah, eight's a fair few. That would have moved you up the rankings shit, by a, a substantial amount until nearly into top ten. So yeah so that stage for me i i got on it and i was like the first three shots are like low through a, a little hole in the um sandbag wall and i was like yep sweet got on impact 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 i was like oh fucking sweet you know got up on top of the wall impact impact and i was like here we go gonna be a clean stage and then it was like miss 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 and i was like oh fuck let's <laughs> just slow down and then i shot it and hit it so like i got all the points but like i was man i sort of um I, I think as I was, I was hitting so consistently, I started getting sloppy. Like, man, I can't miss. And it's like, well, no, you can miss. You've still got to align those sights properly and um, pull the trigger clean and stuff. Because um, the stage before that, I'd, it was uh, a different sort of thing. You had two long-range targets, uh, two hits at 300, then four targets at like 200-ish metres. And I cleaned that, like, you know, not a miss. So I started off quite strong, and then anyway. But yeah, it's um, if you if you start strong, it can be a lot easier to sort of go through the day and not yeah, let it play in your mind, I guess. Mm. Um, so from there, and this sort of comes into me in the trench, especially. And I mean, um, and we had a bunch of people moaning about their guns swelling in the rain. Apparently, three or threes never saw service and. Uh, humid or wet conditions before but um operating sort of milsurp rifles in those conditions in the rain and the mud the mud really only seemed to affect me due to some poor um decisions that were made in the name of great photography but um uh how do you find operating the sites with the rain and with the obviously because it's pretty humid it's steaming a bit um how do you find that jeff um sites no issues no issues at all, really. Um, it's more in the mechanical operation and also the chamber pressure as well. Um, I noticed, so in our first couple of stages, uh, more so on the tank one, on our first one, so I was spotting on binos and I could almost hear like a, it sounded like a secondary detonation. It was like bang, bang, ding. And it was, you could see it um, just at the bottom of the binos. Um, kind of like if you've seen a bullet blow up from being spun too fast it kind of looked like that um 
and everyone was missing high everything was going high and there's just too much too much uh, water in the chambers and too much pressure so we ran some boar snakes through after that um and it ran pretty good um one stage i had some gunk in my firing pin um and basically uh, the firing pin didn't drop on the round um so from that i think we were good um my my rifle i think did swell up but <laughs> to my benefit because it wasn't very tightly um stocked up so my last four stages of the day were much much better than my first four yeah well number well for most people they're playing at number fours but they have a generally very loose barrel in the forward anyway it's meant to float so yeah it's a yeah um so for i made the decision we did a bit of practice back around christmas when it was uh, pretty bloody hot so i ended up dropping like a grain of powder out of my um out of my load um which slowed the bullet down so it wasn't a replica of mark 7 so i had to essentially i had to add 50 meters of elevation to each shot um and so sort of you know 200 was 250 and so on and so forth um but with the idea thinking i was actually because when i was in practice in summer i was getting a little bit of heavy bolt lift um especially when the gun was heating up so dropped it down and, and that played into my hands with obviously the wet side of things um i made quite an effort all my ammo was in a uh, like a clip it sistema container and we were quite well we were quite careful on um uh keeping our ammo dry and only sort of um having it out in in, in the open when we were on the line ready to load or, or insert clips that helped now one issue i did have was i got my muddy quite rifle um, rifle quite muddy um for some photos and it's it's actually cost me <laughs> a, a, a fair bit <laughs> i remember this <laughs> so it was, it was real fun it was cool and then um so then i go to my seventh stage of the day which was the stage one jeff referenced earlier true service and man my gun just was like obviously i had a bit of dirt in the chamber and shit and it just was so hard to operate the bolt um and i sort of i felt slow and like my last shot went off like just after the buzzer it was an impact but um uh, I, well, I can't hear them really counting with the air, air pro and earmuffs on but they said no it's after time but like if i had have had a clean action and a clean chamber man i would have reasonably confident i would have cleared the stage um just because like <laughs> rechambering was like a 10 12 second sort of uh ordeal <clears throat> um so that was uh, that was unfortunate so i didn't clear that stage and one down on that and then I asked one of the boys and they had a um a cleaning kit so i went down and uh essentially cleaned the chamber out and um gave the action a bit of a brush uh, which improved things dramatically for my last stage um but yeah just the mud man like you think water's bad in an action and like in a chamber you try try to <laughs> grit <laughs> um but yeah I live and learn right um yeah it's there was um i was on the next stage obviously being the squad ahead of you so up on the top of the next hill and i just happened to be in time to watch you shoot that stage and i felt bad for you but it was entertaining as hell yeah i still i still got it done right mostly but yeah yeah, yeah like shit it was <laughs> it was um it was pretty uh pretty interesting um <laughs> and then so i cleaned it out and then we had, yeah it went to my last stage and um uh, I sort of shit the bed there and um, 
which was fine but um and then later on in the day realizing that all the hammering on my gun and this and that and uh my uh, action screws had come a bit loose which isn't as bad on like the the, the infields because you don't actually need a stock to operate that gun it doesn't actually pay a part apart from giving you somewhere to hold but obviously it's still shaking around as you shoot so it's not going to be as good as it could have been but so it was disappointing so a bit of a lack of uh, upkeep maintenance in my part um, definitely cost classic gram Cla- classic gram um, things flying to pieces as, as you head through yep classic and um, which again but it, it does, didn't matter like it was so much fun it doesn't matter um, but the rain itself um, that was fine it wasn't really an issue again these things were made to they'll service firearms right so um yeah. Although I will say my st- I need to do something to my stock because it is ridiculously dry now. After all that abuse, I um, hosed all the mud off, and I'm not sure what I'm going to do there. Maybe some I got some stock reconditioner or something. Um, we'll see. If we can we can we can put a bit of life back into it, but she's looking a bit titty. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. If you got if you cleared stage one like most people, and stage two like most of the top ten did. You know, I'm fully aware of what would have happened then, but that's fine. It's decisions on my part lead lead, lead to those points being dropped. So um, I'm, I'm still not going. I'm still happy with the shooting for the day. Um, I'm still good. So okay. So here's the thing. So we we sort of briefly touched on it. Um, stage six, uh, very similar to last year. It was a uh, we made some mock grenades. Uh, so they're just again for the uh, those safety conscious nerds. They're just pieces of round bar. You pull a pin, and we we made up a. So last year we had a wooden window frame, sort of replica of a, an average French house window at the time with a sort of wooden cross member, and that got annihilated. Like it just got smashed to pieces. And by the end of the day, it was held together with screws and baling twine and dreams. So we uh, so I fabricated up a steel replacement, which I don't believe had any issues, did it, Mark? the day no no and um so that was good and then we so what you do is you start the stage your rifle was um sitting up on the in the position up in the trees and then you um unloaded so you have your stripper cups in your pocket you start with two two grenades obviously with the pins in you have to so you ha- one thing is you have to pull the pin when you throw it if you don't pull the pin it doesn't go off right not that it goes off but it's just a, yeah. and you throw these two grenades down at the window um and it was th- off the top of my head it was two points per if you yes. got it through so enough to make a difference like in fact if our friend Callum had got it one grenade he would have won the competition but I don't think that many people got grenades through. Um, in, in fact, when we're setting it up, a few <laughs> some of our volunteer team and we're going, oh, I think it's a bit easy, Graham. I think you got it a little bit close and rowdy, rowdy, rowdy. And they all zeroed it. So, um, <laughs> so I think we got the distance. We wouldn't want much further. Um, but I think, yeah, I got one through. I think we had one guy in our squad get one through, but he didn't pull the pin. Um oh. You know, so like it's yeah i think it's pretty fun though to um to have yeah i watched it for a while until virtually no one get a grenade through um yeah cassie cassie got one through she was the first one for the day i think yeah yeah uh that's pretty cool 
Um, yeah, well, you would have been if you were ahead of us. Yeah, like like um, the RO on stage said, he said not many people have um, had any luck there. So, um, so yeah. So, what about you, Jeff? Did you get any through? Walk us through that stage. I actually seen a video of you shooting it. Oh yeah. Um, so I was actually I was in half a mind to to make up some mock grenades um, with like some some old like iron or steel barbells or whatever. That if I cut one in half, that would have been a good weight. But never got around to it. Um, so last year, what I did was I went to throw it overhand. And then as it left my hand, it went, oh, that's a bit heavier than I thought. And it just did this really pathetic, like, plop, like, not far in front of me. Um, so this year, I went in with a much better plan of throwing underhand, which got it to the window, but not through one of the one of the portals. Mm-hmm. So no, no good on the throw. Um, plenty of time uh, when I got to the actual shooting bit. Um, my standing was fine. I mean, there's obviously a... I missed my first one, and I know where I pulled it. I have to have a bit of an offset on my sights, as I mentioned before. Um, so got got the next two hits on it. Um, it was a very generous size plate, and then um, got into the positional stuff um, off the wall. And again, last year I found the shooting, not the throwing, but the shooting on that stage, like really achievable. Um, but yeah, gun was just not on. Um, um, hey. Hell, maybe it was maybe it was me. Maybe I sucked for the first half of the day, but um, <laughs> it, it just didn't it didn't go well. And I mean, you can see it in the in the scores. First first four uh, first four stages of the day, basically half half scores. Last four stages dropped a few shots, you know, across all four. So it, it didn't feel great, but it was um, it was still really fun. You did well on the trench ride. Yeah, that was from there on. Uh, yeah. So that was my fourth last stage. Um, and then, yeah, either I was in the groove or, or the rifle. Like, um, I, I know people wank on about it a bit, but the, the stocking up, like, physically changed. Um, the the top woods were loose and rattly at the beginning of the day. At the end of the day, were completely um, immovable to the point where I'm, I'm guessing, basically, maybe i had some contact with the top of the barrel which as you mentioned should be free floating um so it might have been sending stuff off just a bit erratically um but yeah it was shooting beautifully at the end of the day tap 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 eh? yeah, you had yeah. to practice in the rain right, i'll, I'll soak s- it in the bath and practice with it for next time yeah i'll see how many more times i can get an excuse into this podcast <laughs> <laughs> jeff the grenades sat in my woolshed for the whole year you could have just grabbed them yeah, you could have taken them home you're there every month <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they had spider webs on them. No one had even played with them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, with my my first throw, I hit the bloody cross member, um, which was from what took even some of our friends from the army who were there. Who you're like, oh, you know, this would be easy, right? They're like, oh, I just hit the middle, hit the cross member, and bounced it out. No, that's most of the uh, on target shots I saw always bounced off the middle. Yeah, so, or you know, one of the crosses. Yeah. Yeah, I think the idea is so you don't want. Oh, here's the thing: you don't want to see everything too hard. You want people to get points, but like, I sort of the idea was with them. First thing, it's fun, but that they're almost like a little divider. They're a little, just a little bit of points to to break a tie or um, you know get you those two points you needed last year ahead of Wilkie. You know, that's that's the. Mm. That, I, I did actually even think about adding a few more points to the value of them. But um, I decided against it in the end. Oh, let's change it to put on a gas mask and shoot. 
The trouble, I've thought about this, I've had it recommended to me. Most old gas masks have asbestos filters, and the oh, filters yeah, are breaking down now. So, so you put these things on, and you're just breathing straight asbestos. What's a bit of mesothelioma between friends? Yeah, I mean, it's that good old school asbestos, too. You know, none of that fucking that modern stuff we used up until a decade ago. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, Grenade Stage I thought was pretty cool, hence why it was very similar to last year because I don't think it needed a lot of changing. I changed how you, mm. the targets you shot. Um, uh, I added in a standing shot, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and I was pretty stoked to hit that two times in a row and not miss, which is nice. Um, and it wasn't a particularly big target for standing iron sights either. Normally we'd run a run a bit bigger. Um, yeah, so anyway, Jeff, mm-hmm. what for you as a competitor went good? Um, huh, good question. Um, I think my, <laughs> my stage, my stage planning was, was generally <laughs> No, I'm saying it's, you know, it's okay to say nothing, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff, let me answer for this for you. Nothing. Take the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what went good? I uh, got a top 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Top sorry. 50%. We'll let you finish. I got um, emotional at the song. Oh, yeah, you got yeah. emotional at the song. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, was, I was happy with my stage planning. Um, I mean, obviously, it feels a lot less complicated than our normal centerfire shoots because you, you don't have... Or you're fiddling with your scope and your wind and blah, blah, blah. So... There's, there's less mental stuff to do there, but I think just taking a few seconds to look at the stages a bit longer, you can find a slightly more comfortable position. Or um, uh, so, like Officer Ambush, we had two um, portholes in the sandbag wall to shoot through a, a lower one and a top one, and a long target. So people, most people, were engaged the long target from the prone position. And then there's a bunch of close targets and the rules just say you have to have your muzzle through a gap in the wall. Um, so most people then went to the, um, the top loophole thinking, okay, well that's where I've got visibility on these close targets. Um, and after I shot the first one, I was like, Hey, I'm down here and I can see all of these. There's like a twig in the way of one, but, um, I don't have to move. I feel comfortable. I can take prone shots on them. So just, yeah, taking that bit of time to, um, assess the stages a bit more um was good yeah that's yeah one thing i'll I'll mention for those who aren't familiar we don't give distances except for on the longest range stage we um we give an approximate distance um and several reasons first being there was no man portable well no easily portable rangefinder at the time soldiers didn't have that um second reason is if you pay attention the targets sort of run in like 100 meter 200 meter 300 meter band like in a sort of a you know if, if it's it's about the same the next stage it's going to be the, the what it was where you, where you had your sight set and then we allow the squad themselves to go so if Jeff was first and he goes well I had my settings on about 300 meters and it was pretty well good so he can pass that information on to, to his squad <clears throat> but as Jeff said it's Man, it speeds things up immensely because it's like, all right, Jeff, here your targets. You get 10 rounds. Yep, you hit that one there twice, that one there twice. And Jeff's like, okay, yep, yep, yep. All right, I'm ready to go. And he's off you go. Whereas if that was a precision, be it rimfire or centerfire event, everyone's going, oh, what was the distance for number 13? Right, right, right. And then they fluff about and they fuck around. And, um, it 
stages take a lot longer whereas this it's uh, removes a level of admin and modern drama um, that was quite refreshing I'd say and even with a large number of shooters we still got and the weather we still got through the day quite fast um, which I think is, is due to the, the simplicity of the uh, pre-stage prep in a way um, okay so what went uh, what went good for me Ooh, good question Graham um, the one seven can't answer that you haven't asked yet. oh sorry Mark ask, ask me even though you've got this list in front of you of questions Graham, what went good for you? Oh, and another great question. Um, the one Sierra one seventy four SMKs were quite a lovely bullet to use. They were um, just performed well. I mean, there's iron sights, right? You can't tell what the fuck's happening, but um, nice. Yeah, having that lower lower pressure cartridge, not cranked up like some people were, meaning that um, when I get the chamber clean uh, from debris, um, the rifle didn't mind the rain. Uh, no issues there, no issues with pressure. Again, excluding when there was dirt in the action, mud, mud in the action. Um, and another thing that went good is I had a lot of fun, I'd say. I had a lot of fun with some interesting people, cool people, and we got to see some cool tanks. Um, yeah. Can I add something? You can add the, something. Um, you can't use my answers, though. You have to have your own answers. No, no, no. But you did remind me of something um, specifically around ammo. Running uh, modern slash reloaded ammo um not having the restriction of having a, a 30 second um hang fire time um just having that complete confidence and because i mean how many times last year did you run your bolt and it didn't pick something up and if that were the case this year you would have had to wait there for 30 seconds um so like that one time when my firing pin didn't drop i could just eject that round and load the next one yeah um and not have to stress about it yeah, no, that's uh, um, some some other things around the country run big pauses with modern ammo. I don't see it to be necessary, but that's up to them. But with the old ammo I've talked about before, me and Mark actually had like a seven second delay on the cartridge. Like that sounds bizarre, but it happened to us um, on some dodgy old Syrian ammo. So hence why we've got that. But yeah, if you're running modern PPU or modern sort of appropriate hand loads, um, now we don't see it. Our risk, our risk sort of assessment uh, says it's fine. So that that was a nice thing. I don't think I had any miss feeds like that this time. Last year we definitely had um, our squad definitely had a bunch. Um, pe- people got like a, a number four and they're using like a number one magazine. So it's, they fit and they look really similar, but they're kind of a little bit different, and they don't always, you know, feed the best um, without a bit of persuasion. So yeah, that was a good point actually that we didn't touch on. So, all right. So, what went bad, Jeff? Apart from not hitting targets, what didn't whoa, work? Whoa, on day? Whoa. Oh, so do you want me to ask you, Mark? <laughs> no, I was just match trigger. Was what are you gonna ask me for? Exactly. 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 Okay. So, <laughs> what went bad, Jeff? Um, I think you touched on that with the the not hitting targets. But, <laughs> um, it's kind of the main thing. Um. Broke the spring on the front sight uh, cover on Cassie's gun, mm-hmm. um, very unnecessarily. Um, but that didn't affect anything in the day. It, they just felt dumb. Um, what else? No. Uh, actually, 
got a bit um, annoyingly wet, having to have my hood down at some point. So just it bucketed down, and then my base layers were all wet. So just being wet all day wasn't great, but not the end of the day. Um, no, I was pretty happy with pretty much the whole day. Yeah, it's good. I, I didn't have anything particularly bad, uh, apart from the dirt and the action. But again, that was uh, uh, self-inflicted. Self-inflicted, yes. <laughs> I sabotaged myself in a way. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, I will say maybe something Mark and I could do next time is, and I actually talked about this with Simon the other night, is get through four stages and obviously we will know where everyone is, have several people planned, da da da, shut the range and really quickly run out and paint the 100 meter targets again. So we've, we've cut a bunch of, I think they're called, are they called figure, figure 12? So they're, they're a Hun's head, they're an old service rifle style target. We got them made out of steel. At 100 meters, they took a beating and they essentially disappeared by the end, last few stages of the day. No one could really see them that well. Um, so I thought maybe going forward we could do a real quick pause make sure every squad's, squad's shut down and it, it'll take less than a couple of minutes to run out paint them race back and um <clears throat> give everyone a sort of uh a slightly more realistic chance of hitting them because they, they they weren't that big um but yeah that, that'd be the only thing we i think we had one target break for the day didn't we mark which was yeah uh partly broke or got it got and then it twisted up and hit the Waratah, so I stopped. Everyone straightened it up, and then they managed to smack it and knock it right off. So yeah. I just changed that stage slightly to the end. Yeah. Um, made them shoot the small target and without the movement, so that sort of evened it up a bit. Yeah, but that's um, that's those bloody commercial-made targets with their tiny bolt holes. They do my head in. Yeah. But, um, but other than that, I think, yeah, in terms of... There's one squad was quite slow during the day. Um, which got pointed out to me, but they just tended to gas bag all day. Um, that sort of created a log jam when others were cruising through. So yeah, Actually, yeah. I, I would say my my squad was a bit slower. Um, not that I think you're talking about us, Mark. But no, yeah. not talking about um, you. Are we not? <laughs> I'd say if I was talking about you. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, Graham squad kept on catching up to us. Uh, uh, we had we had three guys who who weren't uh, very familiar with our style of shooting. Um, um, so for that reason, our, our day was a little bit slower in, t- in terms of um, communicating the stage designs, etc. Because it's all quite intuitive to us. Um, but man, they had an absolute blast, and they were so cool to be a part of. Um, yeah. yeah, they really. It's not easy when you got three drone guys. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, be nice. Got it. It's just a, it's a word of the week. <laughs> um, yeah, I get that as something to think about too. We had several new ones, but we had enough uh, experience in our squad to sort of... They picked up on it quick, and I think most of them had shot the previous set with steel too, so that made it pretty pretty easy, right? So, um, Other than that, I think that about... Yeah, that was the event. Um, we did prize giving. Um, oh, we can do. We might as well do the read out the top three. Uh, none of us feature in that, um, so, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's that. But uh, oh, why is it not in order? I'm looking because oh, I'm looking at the twenty two results. That's why it's not in order. Uh, there we go. So in third we had Kevin uh, on one hundred and seventy seven points. 
And then what we had... Okay, so what happened in second, we had Callum Beardsley uh, from Wellington. And then in first, Hamish Luce from Muddy Woods Hunting, which is very, very cool. Now, they tied on points uh, on 91.2% of, of possible score or 187 out of 205. So what we do when it comes to splitting scores, because we don't run timed stages as such, we got shots fired. So that we then go through... And essentially, there's a column for recording shots fired. And who fired the least, least shots on the day, they win the tiebreaker. And then we've got several other ways of dealing with it if that doesn't work. But So um, I, I believe Callum fired one, maybe two more shots than Hamish. One. One more. Yeah. So Hamish won the tiebreaker, and he is the 2023 Super Steel champion. So he's got a, a nice big trophy he gets to keep for the rest of time. We're not a, um, we're not one of those keep it for eight months and bring it back sort of rubbish. He's got that forever on his shelf, um, and we also did medals for, for second and third. Um, well, Jeff, I should say Jeff, our podcast slash match sponsor did medals very graciously made medals for uh, second and third, which was nice because you know it's a sort of pretty major competition and you get a podium, so you, you walk away with something to hang on the shelf. Um, yeah, other than that, I think pretty successful event with the weather even. The the tanks worked out well. We managed to keep the day safe. I don't think we had any major s- real issues. You can think of any, Mark? Nothing major? Um, um, I'll just go a question for Jeff. Uh, and your debriefing uh, with Tom, what's just, what are you sort of regrouping on there in terms of uh, getting him up the table next year? Um, so we're gonna. I, I think his rifle wasn't doing him any favors. Um, so it's one of the ones that we're trying to get ready in the in the couple of weeks leading up to. Do you know? Here's something um, for you, for you and him. Do you know he eight MOA accuracy told me, but all the targets were like bigger than eight MOA. Oh, oh there we go. Then we <laughs> Just to break this up. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Carry on. Carry on. There's nothing um, like spending money to fix a problem. Yes. No. Well. So, in so we spent a lot of time making brass freeze gun, right? Shooting factory ammo, um, and then obviously you had to do a bit of load dev and, and what have you. And it was not shooting great. Um, it shot one fantastic group, like two-ish inches, um, with some hand loads of mine. Um, so I think we need to go back and try and find out what those were. Um, and I've got a, a series of projectiles for him to try. But otherwise, he was talking about maybe. Um, a Swede or something, but yeah, I think we've got some some things to try with that rifle first. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the, cool. the, the Swede is a good option too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because that that was yeah. Uh, but, but to be honest, was, you you also like I, I know he's had a few um, big bore magnums of the lines in the past, but it's it's a completely different style of shooting from what he's used to. Um, mm. To just jump in and you know without putting several hundred yeah, rounds sure. down the gun. Um, but yeah. Um, oh, no, it's just important. I just want, want, want to make sure he comes back. Oh, you'll have to. We'll just tell him it's a requirement if he wants to shoot the yeah. other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, we need to thank, obviously, again, thank um, Jeff and Cassie from the Gun Rack for um, uh, helping out and getting the, the medals made for us and, and taking care of that. So one less job. Oh, we've got a massive volunteer team that um, made this event happen, like, one of the bigger ones we've ever drawn on, I guess, wouldn't it be, Mark? We've 
Fucking yeah. like yeah, some of our friends wrote her early, our targets, getting us the paper targets we needed and posting those over, lending us this steel. Obviously Mark, um, digging a big giant trench, letting us tear up the paddock with tanks. Um Horty did a bunch of stuff, like a lot of stuff, helping get the tanks there. Yeah. A lot. Um obviously Gillis practical rifle vents and, and so Simon and Malcolm and Calvin and, and et cetera. Um with the constant assistance from them. Uh, shit, our, our guys, your Carl. I don't think people realize how much work Carl puts into our events. Like Doomsday Prepper, Doomsday Prepper, Carl. And we're it's the band probably back in the bunk. He's probably digging the bunker deeper now. I think he lives there now. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like people don't realize how much time he puts it in the background. Um, like yep. as much as Mark and I a lot of time. Um, and, and he switched switch take alliances this year. And so, and so, yeah, so Carl, so Carl come third last year and twenty fifth this year. He, he changed to a 303 about a week out and he regrets it um <laughs> yeah, yeah and then and then i've certainly forgotten some others uh, oh the girls doing the barbecue uh the people who are road stages like darren leon on up on the trench did an awesome job looking after a very complicated stage um a lot of people um uh, you know it's gas bagging on no one, no one really knows who, who or what yeah. i'm talking about but it's we need to thank them um as, as mark yep. tries to make me move on um yeah, other than that, I think that about wraps up episode 58 of the Precision Unloaded podcast. Any last thoughts, Mark? No. no? Back, cool. back to normal guns. Back to, that's exactly back to right. the future. Back to the future. All right, well, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks for coming on, Jeff, once again. I think you're probably about even with Collie again on um, appearing on the podcast. He doesn't know it yet, but he's going to be on the next one, talk about something else. Um, yeah, other than that, we'll, uh, you'll hear from us again really, really soon. All right, goodbye.